We're in lesson two today in Galatians chapter one. Remember last week we talked about how Paul, he starts off his letter immediately expressing his frustration. The reason why he's frustrated is they are so quickly forgetting the essence of what salvation is. They've been listening to Judaizers, that's those are Jewish Christians or Christians who Jews who profess to be Christians, who are saying that in order for you to truly experience salvation, you have to do you have to obey the Mosaic law. Specifically, what they were talking about is that you had to be circumcised, you had to eat certain foods, and you had to observe certain holidays. The Jewish calendar, so to speak. And so Paul's really frustrated with him, remember, because he said, remember what he said to them? If anybody preaches to you something other than what we have told you, let, let them be accursed. Literally, the word is anathema, meaning to hell with them. So now we're going to get into the next section. Right off the bat, he's going to talk about his apostleship, who he is as a leader. He's going to spend, we're going to spend three weeks on this. It's three different parts. Because here's what's going on. So let's notice with me verse 11 and 12. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, because it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for their traditions of my father. Now, here's what I want you to see. First of all, he's going to give them an appeal for understanding. Paul wants his reader to understand the nature of his ministry and his message. Paul wants them to understand the nature of his ministry and his message. So, the very first thing he's going to do is he's going to address this whole issue of who he is. Why? See, the, Judaize, the Judaizers, those Jews who were claiming to be Christians, were saying that Paul is nothing. His apostleship is nothing. Paul is subject to the apostles in Jerusalem. And we know what the message in Jerusalem is, these guys were saying. So they're criticizing Paul's apostleship. They stated that Paul received his gospel from the apostles. And there are possibly accusations that Paul is trying to address here in this passage. So first thing he does is, he says that the gospel he has is not from man. So here's what I want you to see. Paul clearly states that the gospel is not from man. Paul clearly states that the gospel is not from man. So it's not a man-made thing. And so just to make sure that they understand, here's what he's saying. Paul also points out that he was not taught this by man. He was not taught this gospel by man. So it's not for man, and he wasn't taught it by man. Alright? So he wants them to make sure that this is not some message. So, okay, what's he trying to do here? He's trying to say to them, guys, the gospel that I have been bringing to you, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection... I didn't get this from the guys down in Jerusalem. Now think back with me for a moment. How did Paul get converted? Somebody come and witness to him? 
Jesus himself came to him on the road to Damascus. What was Paul doing on the road to Damascus? Was he going on a vacation? Was he going sightseeing in Damascus? No, he was going to Damascus for what reason? To persecute and kill Christians. And then out of nowhere, God shows up, Christ shows up, and the rest is history, isn't it? So, here's what I'm trying to say. He's trying to say, guys, you don't understand. The guys in Jerusalem had nothing to do with me. The message I'm bringing to you has nothing to do. So here's what he's saying. The gospel was personally confirmed to Paul by Jesus Christ himself. Hey, think about that. Think about the gospel. Remember when I said the gospel is what? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Think about the Apostle Paul. He's on his way to grab these people of the way because they're messing up Judaism. And he's out, and he doesn't care what happens to them. If they die, they die. It doesn't matter. He's trying, he's, he's thinking of the purity of Judaism. So he's on his way. Don't you think when that happened, where he sees Jesus, Jesus speaks to him. Saul, Saul, why, why are you persecuting me? Hard to kick against the goads, isn't it? I mean, he's having a personal inter- Don't you think he just had the gospel confirmed right there? What's the gospel? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He personally saw who? Jesus. You see what I'm saying? He personally had an interaction with Jesus. That's, I mean, how many of you have had a Damascus Road experience like that recently? None of us have, have we? What I want you to see here, Paul is saying that his, the message of the gospel was personally confirmed to him by Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ himself. Now, let me just stop for a moment. I want you to understand why. Because you might be saying, well, why did God need Paul? Why did he need Paul? Anybody? Why did God need Paul? You ever thought about this? I mean, he had 12 already. You understand? He already had 12 apostles. Why did he need Paul? He wanted to use Paul in a way for his glorification. That's good. Anybody else? What were you, anybody got any thoughts? Why do you think God needed to use a Paul? Who's Paul's ministry to? Gentiles. Let me help you develop your thinking a little bit here. Gentiles. How, how ready were the other twelve to go to the Gentiles? Not at all. Even though Peter, I mean, he had to because God gave him a direct vision of the sheep coming down and, you know, and, and so he had to go then. And even then, when he went there, when he went back to the rest of Jerusalem, they were pretty upset that he went to who? The Gentiles. Now you're saying, well, Paul's a Jew. Why would he get so... I mean, he would be the same way, wouldn't he? Yes, he would, except for one thing. Paul is zealous for who? For God. It's been shown throughout his life. And, and so when Paul comes to Christ... He's willing to go to where? Because God asked him to. To the Gentiles. You see what I'm saying? What I think is we have somebody who is eager to serve God in either way. It doesn't matter where he's got to go. He'll go. But you see the hesitancy, and we're going to see this in this epistle, you see the hesitancy of the other apostles to do the very same thing. You say, what do you mean? So a little bit later we'll see it here. When he defends his apostleship, he's going to say that he confronts Peter because Peter so quickly reverts back to what? The Jewish ways. 
You understand? The Jewish ways. So, here's what I want you to see. Paul is saying he had a personal experience with Jesus. All right? Now, let's go on. Here's his personal history. We already read a couple of verses here. Paul confirmed that they have heard of his past conduct in Judaism. So he's saying to them, guys, you've already heard about how I was before in Judaism. You've already heard where I was and what I was doing. You've already heard that before. So I want you to be aware of that. Now, here's what he's saying. And here's the interesting thing. How many of you like to share what you did wrong in the past? How many of you just like to walk around and talk about your failures? I don't see any hands here. Nobody. It's not normal, is it? One thing I want you to know about the Apostle Paul, and that's this. Paul confirmed that he persecuted the church in order to destroy it. He would readily share that in his past, this is not the first letter where he's done this. It's been in other letters where he would readily share. First of all, he calls himself the chief of sinners in one letter. Here he says he persecuted to destroy the church. In another letter, you know, he will say the same thing. His whole purpose was he was so jealous, was zealous for Judaism that as far as that was concerned, he wanted to eradicate, get rid of these Christians. So he's saying, hey, you guys, you've heard about me. You know who I was and what I did. And one of the things I did, the chief thing I did was is I persecuted Christians. So he goes on one step further, and this is key to the argument of what he's going to make here. Because remember, he's dealing with these Judaizers, these Jews who are professing to be Christians, who are insisting that everybody keep the law. Listen to what he says here. He confirms that he was far more zealous for the law than his contemporaries. Think about this. Here's, here's the apostle saying, when he was Saul, he was far more zealous for his for Judaism, for what he believed, than anybody else there. So, for instance, let me ask you something. You ever met somebody who goes off the deep end on a subject? Or maybe you believe what they do, but they just seem to be off the deep end, really into it. That's what Paul's saying here. I was off the deep end for Judaism. I was far more zealous for Judaism. I was, if you want to talk about legalistic, I was legalistic, is what he's saying here. Now, why do you think he's got to make that point to them? Why do you think he's got to make that point? Remember what he's dealing with here. He's dealing with people who are struggling with what the issue of salvation is because they've got these Jewish Christians coming along now and saying they've got to keep the law. Here's the apostle saying, in my past life, if there was anybody who kept the law, I kept the law. Why do you think he's got to make that argument? Yes. Okay, hear what Bruce said? He's saying it adds validity to what he's saying about his apostleship because he can say, you know what, I understand the law. I live the law. I live for the law. I ate, drank, slept the law. I mean, if anything, if anybody was wanting to impose the law on people, I was wanting to impose the law on people. So he really understands it. Let's look at his conversion. Now, here's what he's going to show about his conversion. Let me read to you verse 15 and 16. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace to reveal His Son to me that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, 
but went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Now here's what he's saying. First of all, it's an act of God. Paul makes the point that his conversion was an act of God's initiative. This, this brings up a good point here. Do you folks realize that if you're here and you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you have trusted in Him, your salvation is not an act of you? Do you understand that? So the Apostle is not just saying something weird that happened to him. It's true for every one of you here. Your salvation is an act of God's initiative in your life. When you responded, it's not because of you yourself, it's because of God. Because what does the Bible say? No one comes to the Father except what? The Spirit draws him. He's the one who gives understanding. He's the one who helps you. Does everybody understand me? So I want you to see here, God's salvation is an act of God's initiative to you. Because remember, before Christ, were you seeking after Him? No. So you've got you to grasp that point. Now let's go on now. Here's what he's saying. So God had a call on his life. Paul acknowledges that God had intentions for his life before he was born. So even before he was, before he was separated from his mother's womb, Paul says God had intentions for him. You know, there was a prophet in the Old Testament that said the same very same thing, Jeremiah. That God knew him before he was formed in his mother's womb. Jeremiah said that. And God had called him. Here, come and stop for a moment. Believer, if you're a Christian here, listen to me. God had intentions for you before you were ever born. Now, we don't talk about that for some reason. We don't even acknowledge it. But God has plans for your life. Do you realize that? God has a plan for your life. For you, to use you in wherever you're at. You say, is he going to send me to Botswana? No, he isn't going to send you to Africa. He might send somebody. But here's the thing. He wants you to live, he wants you to serve him wherever, if it's in Clearfield, or Luthersburg, or, or, or Kerwinsville, or wherever it is that you call home. He wants you to serve them, Hawk Run. You know, he wants you to serve them there. He has intentions for you. That's a powerful thing. If you thought about that, go home today. Here's your homework assignment. Oh no, homework. Yeah, homework. And, but this is, I want you to think about this. It's called meditate on this thought. God, you've got something for me? For my, you've got a plan for my life? You've got a plan for my life? To use me in some way? You better believe it. That'll humble you, won't it? And some of you, it might cause you to start praying, okay, well, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? So that's a good, that's a good homework assignment. Let's go on. So here's what he's saying. In his grace, God revealed his son Jesus to Paul in salvation. God revealed his, his son Jesus to Paul in salvation. So in God's grace, he's acknowledging it's totally God's grace. He revealed his son Jesus to him. Now, Paul's going to talk now about after his conversion. We've already read verse 16 and 17. Look with me at verses 18 through 24 as well. 
Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and, re and remained with him fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed, before God, I do not lie. Afterward, I went into the regions of, of Syria and Cilicia. And I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they were hearing only. He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God in me. All right, now let's talk about it. Now this is going to be key. This section is going to be key, because remember now, these Judaizers, these Jewish Christians who want to impose the law on everybody in Galatia, they're saying that the apostle is subject to the other apostles in, in Jerusalem, to the twelve in Jerusalem. He's subject to them, quote, he's just doing what they say. So now, here's what Paul's going to do. He's going to say to them, okay, I already explained to you how I got saved. I want you to understand my contact with the people down in Jerusalem, so that you can understand I'm my own man. I'm serving God, and I'm not beholden to them. So here's what he says. First thing he says is this. He was called to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Listen to this. He understood from the beginning he was called for a purpose. And his purpose was to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Look with me. It says very clearly there in verse 16... To reveal his son to me that I might preach him, who's him? Jesus, among who? The Gentiles. This is the apostle saying that now. Alright? Then, I want you to listen to me now. Here's what he's saying. Upon his salvation, he did not seek the counsel of others concerning Jesus. So it wasn't something that he decided, well, I maybe need to figure this out and, and, and examine this a little bit more. Look, when Jesus appeared to him, he knew who it was. Yeah, go ahead, Lori. Okay, this is okay, this would be somewhere just a few years after Pentecost. This is, if you recognize, this is somewhere right after the martyrdom of Stephen. So we're probably about Acts chapter eight. I think it's Acts chapter nine is the conversion of Paul. Stephen's martyrdom is in Acts chapter 5. 80s, probably in the 30s, maybe. Early 40s. Actually, Paul's first letter, the very first, uh, the very first book that was written in the New Testament was his letter to the Corinthians, so that was AD 40-something. So, uh, you're looking really at the timeline, so it's really in the early years of the church. So what he's saying here is, I didn't confer with anybody about... Because look, what do you need to confer if you see Jesus? You don't need to figure that out. You know what I'm saying? Well, I wonder, was that bad pizza? I think I'll go talk to Brad and ask him. No, I mean, he didn't do that. You know? and if I don't like Brad's answer, I'll go talk to Bruce then. You know? I mean, he didn't confer with anybody. Here's what he did. He did not go to Jerusalem to meet with the apostles. So he's going to fill in a little bit of here what, what, what Acts just briefly goes over. He's going to say that he immediately did not go to Jerusalem. In fact, it says right in Acts that he stayed and preached in Damascus. Okay? He stayed and preached in Damascus. So he didn't immediately go to there to meet with them. 
But instead, now this is not in the Acts account, but he fills in the blank for us here in Galatians. Paul went instead to Arabia and then back to Damascus. Actually, in the account there where it says that he is in Damascus preaching, and then it talks about how that the authorities wanted to kill him and he had to be let down over the wall in a basket. Do you guys remember that from Acts? He's going to fill in there that somewhere in there, and it's about a 14-year span where he went to Arabia. Now, does everybody know where Arabia is? Geography-wise. There's a country today. We get a lot of oil from it. Saudi Arabia. He went there for about 14 years. So he didn't go to Jerusalem. And then he, he says he went... Actually, it's three years. Excuse me, I said 14. But here it is. After three years, Paul made his first visit to what? Jerusalem. After three years then, he went to Arabia, back to Damascus, and then to Jerusalem. He made his first visit in Jerusalem. Now, you'll know from Acts... How eager were the apostles to meet with him when he first went to Jerusalem? He tried to meet with him, Acts says, and they wouldn't have anything to do with him because they knew who he was. This is the persecutor, the killer. And In fact, it had to be one guy by the name of who? Anybody know who it was that finally brought them to the apostles? Who was it? Barnabas. So there starts the relationship between Paul and Barnabas. So here's what he says. At that time, he only met with Peter and James, the Lord's brother. So when he went, he didn't meet with all of the apostles. He only met with who? Peter, one apostle, and James, the Lord's brother. So then he goes on and he says that from there, he ministered in Syria, which is north, and Cilicia. So he ended up just going up there and ministering in there. Which is basically where Antioch is. Remember it says in Acts that he went up to Antioch with Barnabas. And they ministered there. This is where he is. Now, here's what he's going to make a point to. I want you to look at the next point here. The churches in Judea did not physically know Paul. Here's what he's saying. The guys in... The churches in Judea, that is in Jerusalem themselves... And those in the area of Judea there, all those Christian churches, did not physically know my face. They didn't even know what I looked like. They just heard about me. So what he's trying to do here is he's trying to say, so if these guys are saying that I'm subject to them down there, don't you think they would know what I look like? Don't you think that they would know my face? So what he's trying to do is he's trying to establish his apostleship to who? The Gentiles. And that he's not beholden to who? Any man. He's not beholden to any man. So in fact, here's what he said. Here's what he said about the guys down in Judea. They weren't angry at all about him, but here's what they did. When they heard what Paul was doing, especially his ministry to the Gentiles, here's what they did. First of all, the churches in Judea only knew Paul by the report of his testimony and ministry. So they only knew about Paul as they heard stories. So, for instance, like when you're listening to Christian radio and you hear about some missionary in some country somewhere on a missions report or something, you may not physically know them, but you know about them because of what? The report of what they're doing. This is what Paul's saying. You know, the churches in Judea, all they would do is hear about me when they got a missions report. So then here's what they do. But when they heard the report, they glorified God because of the report. 
What's he trying to say there? They weren't angry. They weren't ticked off. They weren't mad. They weren't angry. They weren't ticked off. They weren't mad. So here's what he's doing. All right, let's, write, let's sum, summarize, because I gave you all the points here. Let's go back. Chapter 1, he says, Guys, I'm really frustrated. I'm frustrated because you are so quickly wanting to leave what I shared with you about the true gospel that is faith in Jesus Christ alone. Nothing you can do can earn you your salvation. I'm frustrated. You've been listening to these other people. And now these other people are belittling me. They're trying to discredit me. So let me explain something to you, who I am. First of all, the gospel that I preach to you is not from man. It's not subject to the guys down in Jerusalem. And so he already proved that point. Where, where did he say he got saved? By Jesus himself. Where did he learn his gospel? From Jesus himself. Was he subject to the guys down in Jerusalem? Not at all. In fact, he only met with one of them, ever. And James, the brother of Jesus. So he's saying, if I'm supposed to be subject to them, if they are the ones who gave me the message, shouldn't I have met with all of them? And he says, I didn't hang around in Judea. I went where? Into Syria, in ministry, Antioch area. And they never even knew me except by my name in mission report. They didn't even know what I looked like. If I walked in among them, they wouldn't even know who I was. So he's making that point here because he's trying to what? Distance himself from where? Jerusalem. Now let me ask you a question. Why do you think he wants to distance himself from Jerusalem? Think about this for a moment. Why do you think he wants to make the key point here that he is distancing himself from the church in Jerusalem. Okay, his ministry is to the Gentiles. Okay, that's good. That's a good starting point. So his ministry is to the Gentiles. He wants to distance himself from Jerusalem. Here's another reason. These Judaizers, where did they come from? Jerusalem. So when they come to the Gentile churches, listen to me, so when they come to the Gentile churches, what's going on there is they're saying, well, this is what you need to do. You need to, men, be circumcised. Everybody needs to eat, start eating kosher, get rid of the pork, no more hot Italian sausages, no more pork chops. So, I mean, we're, we're going, don't eat no rabbits, no squirrels for you squirrel hunters here. Don't do any of that. And you've got to keep the new moons, so you've got to do certain things whenever there's a new moon. You've got to do this on this day, and you've got to keep all the Jewish holidays and everything. So they're impo And this is the way that you know that you are a Christian is if you do all this stuff. So this is all coming from the guys who came from Jerusalem. So then they say, well, the, the Galatians are there saying, well, you know, Paul told us, Paul, he's subject to us down in Jerusalem. So he's wanting to distance himself from these Judaizers because these Judaizers are going to what? Rob them. Now, let me ask you a question. Is this a relevant issue to us today? Okay, Bruce says kind of. Who says, no, nah, it's not relevant? Raise your hand. How many of you are like Bruce? You say, no, oh, it's kind of relevant. How many of you say, yeah, it's relevant? How many of you say, I don't know? That's an honest answer. Here, the principles are still the same. The issue isn't, because we don't have anybody coming in here today saying you need to be circumcised and you need to keep these holidays. However, 
we have our own holidays. You understand what I'm saying? We have our own sacred cows that we want to tell everybody that they need to observe. Here's another one. The issue of food. This happens a lot in Christian circles today. I mean, you'll get somebody who says, I found the proper way to eat in the Old Testament. You've got to eat nothing but carrots from here on out. Go right ahead. Turn orange. All that beta carotene. Do it. You don't have to worry about a tan after doing that. Here's the thing. You have people, if you don't watch it, who will quickly enslave you to what you think is your acceptance with God. How many of you have been enslaved before? I'll raise my hand. You say, what do you mean enslaved? Where you begin to perceive that your acceptance with God is based upon what version of the Bible you carry, or how you dress, where you go or where you don't go. Everybody understand me when I say that? This is, and this, it doesn't happen instantaneously. Is it, is it, no, it happens subtly. And it's usually you're led by another spiritual, quote, leader into that kind of thinking. But hopefully you are on your guard to know not to succumb to that. So, you know what I've noticed? I've tried to impose on you the legalism of drinking sweet tea, but you guys have rebelled. But see, that's the point, isn't it? Yeah, Betty. Our natural bent, yes, because we, we are in a mindset, we were raised from yon, that Jesus wants you to be good. Isn't that what we tell kids? Be good. Now, Jesus does want us to be good, okay? But we're told, in order, uh, little Jimmy or little Brucey, I'll get you a new eagle shirt if you act this way. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Do you see what I'm saying? Do you know what I mean? We, we, we reward them for what? We're, we're taught from little that you get rewards, you get acceptance with mommy and daddy if you are what? Good, if you do the right thing. If you do the wrong things, you get what? Punished. And mommy and daddy don't accept you that day. You see what I'm saying? So the, our natural bet, like Betty says, is for somebody to come along and say to you, this is the way you've got to live in order to be a Christian. And so the apostles coming along and saying, no, 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 you guys are missing the boat here. And you say, are you saying that we're not to live good? No, no, didn't say that. You live out of your salvation the way he wants you to live. But you don't live for your salvation. You say, what do you mean? I don't do anything to gain my acceptance with God. But because I am accepted, I then live the way he wants me to live. You understand there's a difference there. I live because of my acceptance, not for my acceptance. See, this is the struggle that's going on. All right, next week we're going to continue on in the defense of the apostleship. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 10 of chapter 2. And he's going to continue on talking about the issue of being in Jerusalem, the whole issue of Jerusalem and his message and the opposition there was to his message and how he dealt with it. All right, let's, let's close our time in prayer and we'll get ready for the morning worship service.